welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. I've never seen a doctor or a person in the hospital at a birth trying to do any harm. They're only trying to help and that help may come in something that the woman doesn't want and sometimes she doesn't need but um, yeah but if women say no people listen you've got to actually say no it's very hard to say no when a baby's coming out your vagina or you're in pain or you've been there for 12 hours and all those reasons Hi ladies, welcome back. Welcome to episode 52. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing uh, the lovely Jan Ireland and she is just one of the most beautiful people working in the birthing industry you could ever possibly meet. (laughs) She's been a midwife for uh, many decades now, has four of her own children and is the principal um, director and owner at Mama Melbourne, which is a private midwifery business and she has been part of all four of my pregnancy journeys and you know if you work in the birthing world in Melbourne you know about her probably you know about her if you work in the birthing industry in Australia she is somewhat of an icon um, but just the most beautiful down-to-earth loving woman that you could ever meet and um, she's really passionate about helping women to have the birth that they want. And um, as part of that, we have a really good chat today about home birthing. So um, Jan is, you know, definitely really, really passionate about home birthing, uh, very knowledgeable and on this front and uh, does practice both um in the uh, sort of home setting and also uh, attends birth in hospital with women as well. And as I said before, is just really big on advocating for women to have the birth that they want. And so today is a bit of a 101 on home birth and um, just giving you all the ins and outs of um, why and why not it might be appropriate for you and how to orchestrate going down that path if that is for you. So without further ado, I interview the gorgeous Jan Island. Hi, Jan. Thanks so much for joining us Hi, today. beautiful Rosie. <laughs> Long time I see, at least 24 hours. <laughs> I just yes, always... well, I'm, I've been out of bed all night, so it's a good time to talk about home birth. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> you're such a, oh, my God, you're so, your devotion to this area just never ceases to amaze me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking the time. And um, today we're chatting all about home birth. So, um, yep. yeah, I'd really love just to get, you know, your experience obviously is in many, many years and I'm sure into the thousands of births of all descriptions um, and you're very passionate about home birth and um, you know, when it's right for a woman. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, yeah, like what what can a woman expect with home birth and, you know, who is it right for? 
<laughs> yeah, first of all, I'm actually very passionate passionate about women's choices. Mm-hmm. That's my great thing. And I feel if someone came along and wanted to have something quite extreme apart from the home birth, I'm still on I'm onto her agenda as long as she's making an informed choice. Mm-hmm. So women's mental health is my main interest and families staying together after birth instead of all getting knocky with each other. <laughs> um, women, I think everyone is suitable for a home birth until they show that there, there would be a problem that would be better um, dealt with in a hospital mm-hmm. or a birth centre or another place of birth. Mm. So... Um, women's experience of birth in the past can give you a bit of a pattern to do with that, but they can't tell you everything because every birth is very different. So I don't mind having women come to me who are now low risk but have been high risk in their previous pregnancies and just see how they go. I actually don't like to say no to anyone because I'd like to meet them and I'd like to hear about their experience and um, I'd like to, you know, have a chin wag with them and and listen to what they were happy with and what they weren't happy with. And even if they can't have exactly what they want, try and get the things that are most special to them. So believe it or not, Rosie, some people choose to have a home birth because they don't want to have drugs. <laughs> and they know if they're in the hospital, they'll have them. I'm always amused by that and especially love those people, <laughs> um, and they um, are quite explicit about that. Other people uh, want to have a home birth because they would like their children not to be left and they'd like to give their children an example that birth is a normal process and that mum and dad made the baby at home probably or mum and mum and whoever, and um, the baby will come out the same way, in the same place. Some people, or some women, particularly they just don't have anyone to mind their children and that's the reason they would choose a home birth. And I would not encourage that because I would try and get them ready for any possibility. So we would find someone to help them with that. As a family from Mama, we would find someone. Basically, if you're a healthy person and you have no underlying heart problems or renal problems or um, any disabilities that would uh, stop you from having to stay home. So my belief is that you have a baby and then you pick it up and then you look after it. <laughs> and um, at home is a good place to do that. Yeah, so that the, those are the most common reasons that women, that you said that women are choosing or, um, you know, asking for home birth. Um, is there, are you seeing often women wanting a home birth as like a second or a third? Um, Very much, yeah. So two reasons that people say they want to have their second baby at home. One is they did it in hospital well and they were very proud and very empowered by the experience and so now would go a step further in that empowerment. Mm. That's one person and unfortunately, Rosie, the, the most common return person is a disempowered or the person suffering post-traumatic stress after birth or just not understanding what happened. I don't know what happened. It was all going well and then all of a sudden, everything became all mixed up and I didn't know who I was and what I was doing and I was trying to help and it all seemed out of my control. Mm. Um, So those people are now looking for some evidence as to how they could prevent that from happening again and some people, right or wrong, will choose a home birth for that reason. So I I like looking after those people and um, during the course of the pregnancy it may become clear 
that they're perfect for home birth or clear that they're not perfect. And then we've got a relationship and we can take that relationship into a hospital with a birth plan. Something that we have chatted about probably ad nauseum is, you know, it's <laughs> you can have a plan, but it's also really good to be flexible. And I've had to <laughs> experience that myself, um, you know, particularly the last two pregnancies, you know, that things probably they didn't go according to plan last time, but it was still a beautiful birth, um, even though um, it might not have unfolded the way that I like and it potentially will be the same this time around. But I think, um, you know, really it is really great if we can have a sense of what we want but also, um, you know, having someone such as yourself who's a really good advocate for us as to what's the best thing actually for, you know, for us. To make the best of it. Mm. Yeah, to try and make the best of it. And uh, um, I always tell people too that we don't have a lot of rules around birth in Victoria for nothing. We have them because we have such good birth outcomes like the women are basically uh, what we deal with are healthy and and happy and wanting babies. In other countries, that's not the case. People are malnourished and have all sorts of undetected problems and low hemoglobins, and we're all in pretty good nick here. And the reason we have so many emergency seizures and things is because there's no risk taken at all, none. Like it's it's... It's become easy to do a cesarean section and get a well baby and for a mother to sort of recover from it. So we do have seizures in this country just to stop what we might think might happen. And a lot of women aren't happy with that and a lot of women are happy with it. Certainly choose people who choose home births want to have no intervention and there's a belief in that community that intervention can lead down a path which they call a cascade of intervention. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit mean to talk like that, but it's. Um, I've never seen a, a doctor or a person in a hospital at a birth trying to do any harm. No. They're only trying to help. And that help may come in something that the woman doesn't want and sometimes she doesn't need. But, um, yeah. but if women say no, people listen. But you've got to actually say no. It's very hard to say no when a baby's coming out your vagina or you're in pain or you've been there for 12 hours and all those reasons. Definitely. And I think, we know, we uh, very early on in uh, the life of this podcast recorded an episode on the different roles. Um, You know, I interviewed you on the different roles that like a doula versus a midwife versus an obstetrician plays. And um, I think it's really important that we educate ourselves on, you know, who's going to give us the emotional support and the coaching um, regardless of the situation that we're in because that can make all the difference. And that's a big part of what you do is just being there to hold the space and to advocate for a woman, um, whatever situation she's in. And I think the advocating, it isn't sort of like don't do that or don't have that. The advocating is are you comfortable? Would you like to move? Have you got any spots you'd like a rub? Like this lady, I've just just had a baby now. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying, but um, she just didn't feel like having a shower. And I said, oh, goody, I'd love to wash her in bed. I haven't done that for years. <laughs> and as I washed her little hands and her little legs and feet and, and cleaned it all up after her beautiful birth while she hugged her, her son, I had a great feeling of caring for her. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's just a, a nice thing, isn't it? 
So nice. Yeah. And so, um, so we've covered like the reasons that women would choose a home birth. Um, what about like, are there any sort of hard no's in terms of, I know you said you talk to everyone, you work in private practice in a situation where you, um, you know, go to into a woman's home and you're, um, you know, registered and insured to help them deliver a baby beautifully. Yeah. Um, and also you're, you know, you're a support person if they're in that sort of hospital environment. Um, but are there any sort of like hard no's where you are like, you know, it's not appropriate and we need to make sure that you're birthing in a hospital? Yeah, so when you look at what when a woman would do better in a hospital if certain things happened, if there's a, a lean towards that happening, um, then the woman would probably be better to be in hospital. That's for the major catastrophic things that can happen. Mm -hmm. So, for an instance, I think a woman would be better to have a baby in a hospital if the baby was an unwell baby, if it was known to have an unwellness, if it was a very tiny premature baby. I mean, as paediatricians, tiny premature babies are miracle workers. She'd be better to be in a hospital if uh, she had a bleeding disorder because it's normal to bleed after a baby, but it's also normal to stop. And if you have a bleeding disorder, sometimes with you and you bleed too much. Mm-hmm. So I think if you were a, a, some sort of um, bleeding disorder, you'd be better off in the hospital. Um, if a woman's had um, uh, embolisms and clots and things like that all her life with and things like that, she'd be better off in the hospital. Anything where you know the, it's a catastrophic type of thing that happens. Mm. Um, I've had over 5,000 plus babies. I haven't seen many uh, catastrophic things, but I have seen them. And some of those women um, have chosen home birth and they should have been in the hospital mm. and were told that, yeah. yeah. Previous cesarean sections, um, that's just sort of a grey area everyone talks about. So um, there's a, a list of rules about that or, or things we know about it. So if a lady um, lives across the road from a tertiary-level hospital and she had a seizure five years ago, I think she should be treated as normal, depending on why she had the seizure. If the placenta is coming in front of the baby's head or bottom, the woman should definitely have her baby in the hospital and by cesarean section. There are some placentas that are close to the baby's head, but um, some doctors will um, encourage them if they want to have a normal birth, to have a little go at it, and sometimes it works. But you're safer to do that in a hospital. Mm. If you've got a lot of um, fibroids in your uterus, um, even if they're on the outside, if there's multiple fibroids, you'd be best to uh, birth in hospital because you're you're more likely to hemorrhage. Mm. Hemorrhage and a baby with an abnormality undetected are really the only two complications. Things happen that happen in hospitals uh, and they happen at home as well. Uh, Big tears happen in both places and there's no reason you can't transfer someone in and get excellent medical care for that. Mm. Hemorrhages, the midwives are well equipped to put in IVs and put in catheters and give drugs. The ambulance service is excellent. Just mention it's a mother and baby and Mike Mike is there and as quick as they can, you know, marvellous. Hospitals receive everyone really well. So, um, and it's funny enough that we we don't ever transfer people for uh, things like pain relief. (laughs) 
which is probably the biggest cause of uh, interventions in the hospital, I think. Yeah, for that sort of so-called cascade of interventions to really start that way, doesn't it? Mm. Um, If a woman has a temperature in labour, yeah, um, I'm very uneasy about that, things like that. There's not much else. early, a little bit too early. (laughs) (laughs) You might be talking about a baby I might know. (laughs) Yeah, I might be talking about Leo being too early, the little bugger. In a hurry? <laughs> but yes. <laughs> um, the reason I don't um, encourage people to have babies at home before 37 weeks is got many uh, facets. One facet is um, we have um, insurance um, for antenatal and postnatal care but not for home birth. Uh, we have ACM, the Australian College of Midwives, giving us guidelines to deliver babies over 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. So, but if a woman won't go to hospital um, with a baby at, say, 36 weeks or something, I, you know, I can keep her at home and the baby would probably be fine. But I don't like to do that. And the reason I don't like to do it is one of my main sort of things for my practice is to try and keep mothers and babies together. So the 36-weekers, if they get jaundice or anything, I can't admit them together. And that means the baby gets admitted to children's and the mum goes home. It's not nice. So if a woman's booked into a hospital and she has a oops home birth, you can get them together, but you can't other any other way. Mm. I also don't like to um, have many oops home births because um, I, I want people to say blatantly that's what they want. <laughs> um, do you want me to talk about insulin-dependent diabetics? <laughs> Oh, you could touch on it briefly. That's another one where, briefly. you know, most okay. of the recommendations yeah. are that you don't um, birth at home, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So GTM is uh, gestational uh, maternal diabetes, yeah. So I think if you have the test and you get a result and um, you can't control it by your diet, you really have to birth in hospital because I, I don't know anyone who gets GDM who there's hardly anyone needs insulin, but some people really do. I think they get prescribed it a lot, but some people really need it. And um, I think they could have their babies at home as long as them and the baby go to hospital afterwards. But we need more collaborative um, models of care for that. Mm. I would love some more collaborative uh, models of care for home birth. So in COVID, there were um, about eight eight Victorian babies born at home in collaboration with private obstetricians. Mm. And that was the first time I've ever known that, and that was really good. Yeah, you guys were getting referred um, a lot of babies from private hospitals. Well, see, something that's very interesting to talk to about this subject is that a lot of home births are births that would be done in birth centres, but we don't have any. I have them in Australia, yeah. Yeah, so um, I would love to see birth centres come back in. Mm. Yeah. And what about, so what do we know about the stats in terms of, um, I guess, like birth satisfaction or just birth outcomes for a home birth versus a hospital birth in someone who? Well, you can tell by the the people that write in when there's a birth forum or something like that going on, they're all home birthers or people who have wanted home birth. So politically, the people who do uh, a lot of things for birth as consumers are 
uh, the home births. I think the satisfaction with home births, even if you're transferred to hospital or um, have a cesarean section or whatever goes on, I think people are much happier. And But that's from a very uh, well-known fact from con- continuity of care. So in my clinic here, I've um, just employed three more midwives because uh, we're very busy here and we do about 200 babies a year. And it's our 10th year this year. (laughs) I just realised that we should have a party, I think. But um, uh, when when those um, midwives are employed now, they can um, do antenatal and postnatal care now. And... um, but they can't go with the patient, the client into the hospital and they can't birth them in the hospital. So it's home birth is the only option um, for them, which is a shame, isn't it? The, so in terms of, like, continuity of care as well, like if you're having a home birth, you've most likely gone along a journey with someone such as yourself, a, um, a midwife in private practice or a doula or maybe a combination of both who then office of postnatal care service as well. The continuity of care with the obstetrician can be very good too. There are some obstetricians who are very, very uh, involved with their clients and their families and things. Mm -hmm. The the model of care that's gone out of of vogue in Australia, which was fantastic, was the GP model of care. Mm -hmm. So the GP looked after the family before the birth, during the birth and after the birth. That was amazing. And um, my mother and and all of us grew up in that model of care, but now GPs uh, aren't doing births mainly because of insurance and because of specialty stuff going on. Continuity of care in our practice here is um, one to two midwives, sometimes three, because I found that over the years the midwives were just getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. It's really important and to our clients. Not really everyone has the crazy practice. stamina that you do, Jan, to like stay up all night and then just. Roll up. <laughs> well, this is my family. You know, yeah. Mama is my family. These are my Amazing. everything. <laughs> it's just like getting up to your kid at night here. But I really noticed that the young midwives and their relationships take a lot of stress. So this year I brought it in as much as possible that they take at least two nights off in a consecutive fashion. Mm. It's a good idea. But at the same time, they have an option for their client uh, to ring them up when they go into labour rather than to ring me who's I triage um, people. Um, and that means that they can, you know, do that on their nights off. But at least they can plan their life out of here. Mm, something- My midwives are fabulous. Oh, if there are any, if there a shade of a shade of you, Jan, then they are oh, absolutely wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> okay, and just lastly, um, what would you what would you suggest a woman do in terms of getting ready for a home birth? Like, what does she need to prep in terms of, you know, equipment, oh. mindset? I guess the top sort of things that that that's <laughs> a whole can of worms. But <laughs> we're actually born with all the equipment, Rosie. You need a vagina. <laughs> Uterus, you need, to, you need a breast, even just one breast is enough, and, and you need to be loved. So, hopefully, I wish that every woman who's having a baby is loved, and if not, she gets an opportunity for someone to love her because I think that's part of it. And she's a goddess, she's having a baby, she's not a person that needs to be asked stupid questions or things like that, and she's not a person to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. 
There's no disrespect to our um, COVID situation. But the woman having the baby just needs to be cared for, nothing else. (laughs) And if there's a problem, she needs obstetric care. That's it in a nutshell. So the home needs to be free of biting dogs that don't bite me twice. <laughs> um, it's good that you have it somewhere where you can warm up uh, little blankets for little babies that get cold in the middle of uh, winter. Uh, it's really good to have a private potty where people don't walk into your birthing area because we're a bit like cats. We like to have little quiet areas, although some women like oh, a big party. <laughs> um, what else do you need? You need to um, protect your furniture and you need to not buy a new mattress. <laughs> I love it. So practical. Oh, you need a access to water is good, yeah. isn't it, whether it's a bath or a shower or something in the middle, a bathing of some sort. A good water service you need too, yeah. <laughs> you need to bring oxygen and drugs and um, for bleeding and things for resuscitating babies. Every every six months they do um, upgrade their professional skills, and yeah. Mm, awesome. But we we all believe that women are made to have babies, but all we are on a very keen watching that everything's going as well as we expected. You're very much the sort of observers, the watch and wait, and the uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fine art, I'm sure. <laughs> Knowing and guess what, know. when this little boy wibbled out into his mother's hand this morning. She was holding his head like this. Mm. When he went without it and, was, and then was on the ground, um, Kelly Langford, my beautiful Kelly Langford midwife, and myself, her tears running down our eyes. Yeah, that's a daily thing for us. Yes. I know. It's so it's amazing, isn't it? It's just your, yeah, it's, it is. And it's also just, yeah, it just shows how much you love what you do. And that's really what women need. Just they need women who love what they're doing, looking after them in any situation, regardless of what model of care they've taken. So, well, we're actually not stupid. We don't love getting up at night. <laughs> <laughs> we love but the women. babies just come in the daytime. Mine certainly don't. I'm sorry, but um, they're pretty quick. So it's not too. So um, I'm glad we had this little um, uh, podcast because I think it's. Um, I've just come from a birth, so I was going to put on my new earrings and everything. I see I've got one on, not the other. <laughs> but it's how it is, and that's how it, I, that's how I like to be. Just how it is. I think that's. I think COVID's really safe, and I think every woman should uh, see a midwife to talk about her choices. Mm-hmm. But midwives must make sure that. That's not her, not the midwife's agenda. That's a woman's and her family's agenda. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so good. I love it. Thank you so much. And I love being your midwife. Oh, I just keep, <laughs> I keep saying I keep having more babies just so that I can keep seeing you. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to do? I think four is probably the limit. So I'm like, what's my next line of attack <laughs> so that I can keep you in my life? <laughs> I'm very happy to be in your life, Rosie. I'll come and care for you. It might be time to turn the tables and come and care for you and give you a rest you've worked so oh, hard no, for so long you're a miracle worker <laughs> I'm happy I'm, I'm over 70 I'm happy yes oh, so good well thank you so much for taking the time especially um sleepless in Seattle although I'm sure that's just how you um you always are at the moment and um I'll pop all the links to um mama uh and um in the show notes and they can anyone can reach out thank you Black, and, and thank you for everything you do for birth and women Oh, back in Thanks, Jan. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.
Well, thanks so much for joining us in today's episode. I really hope that you found that useful. You can just hear the, I guess, um, just beautiful level of you know passion, humility, and care for women that Jan has, and uh, you really you know need that at the utmost um, when you're in the birthing environment. And she's just such a beautiful advocate for women. So um, if you want to find out more about Jan, you can head on over to her website. It's midwivesandmothers.com.au. And you can find her on Instagram at mama underscore Melbourne. And she has uh, featured in a couple of our interviews already. So you can go back and listen to those episodes earlier in the podcast. Um, She gives a really great one back in episode three, I believe, around uh, the difference between obstetric versus um, midwifery versus a doula, what sort of different roles they might play in your birthing journey and when you might um, employ them. So that's a really great episode to listen to as well. And um, as always, if you're loving what you're listening to, please give us a shout out on your socials with the hashtag Mama Matters, and you can also tag us at Lenny Rose Active. And most importantly, if you can subscribe and give us a review, we would absolutely love that. We want to make sure we're getting our great uh, words of wisdom out to as many mamas as possible, and this is really, really helpful. So, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode, ladies. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.